This is the Becker's Healthcare Podcast, created by the team of Becker's Healthcare, a multimedia company devoted to the people who power U.S. healthcare. Four new 15-minute episodes are released daily, containing industry news, analysis, and thought leadership from powerful healthcare decision makers. Support our show by leaving it a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or other platforms you use. It's a chance to tell us what you like about the show and act on your feedback. Thanks for listening. Now here's the episode. This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Michael Hasselberg, Chief Digital Health Officer at URMC. Michael, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you, Laura. Excited to be here. Now, I know we've got a lot to talk about. There's so much happening in healthcare technology, and particularly when you think about digital health, just such an emerging and fast-growing field. But before we dive into my questions, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure. Um, Michael Hasselberg, as you said, I'm the Chief Digital Health Officer at the University of Rochester Medical Center. Um, Those of you who are not familiar with URMC, we are a large academic health system in upstate New York, actually the probably the largest health system in the state of New York outside of the city of Rochester or outside of New York City. background. I am a nurse by clinical training. I went on to become a psychiatric nurse practitioner. I started my career in rural New York State, where I was the only psychiatric uh, provider for about six counties. So became really passionate about rural health care and how we could increase access to care out into those communities, which led me into the path of technology. Um, and I've been working pretty much exclusively in that kind of intersection of clinical care and uh, technology for about the last 15 years of my career. Well, that's amazing to hear. And, you know, I'm wondering at what point did you find yourself really gearing more towards looking at, you know, how can I um, really dive into the digital health space, the technology space, and use that interest and um, knowledge that I have in order to improve care for patients in the community. I can imagine, obviously, having the um, clinical background that's really valuable. And then, you know, what other things did you do in order to make sure that you had the technology background as well? Well, interesting, when I finished my doctorate degree and I ended up joining faculty uh, at the university, I actually had a very forward-thinking chair of psychiatry um, who about 15 years ago knew that as our health system grew its geographic reach, there was going to be a huge need for getting behavioral health out into, again, the communities that surround us. So um, it was my chair, actually, who said, If um, I bring you on as faculty, I want you to develop a telemedicine uh, program for our department. And this was well before telemedicine was a cool thing or even reimbursed in the state of New York. And I was a really good grant writer and I was able to get several grants to allow me to start building a statewide um, telepsychiatry program. Um, and you know, quickly learned that this technology was able to allow my clinical providers to continue to, to, to deliver that high quality care in these regions of the states that did not have psychiatric providers. I ended up going back on to get further education. Um, uh, ended up going on to get a business background because I became really anxious around my telemedicine program because essentially I was 
chasing grant after grant to pay for those services. And um, when I went back to school, I, I really started to understand the business of healthcare. What did it really mean when the ACA started to get rolled out and people were talking about this move from volume to value? Um, and that background was a game changer for me because I started measuring my telemedicine um, programs that I was developing no longer through the lens of a clinician or a researcher, but I started measuring them through the lens of a payer, which allowed me to really develop some early risk-based contracts uh, with our insurers in our state to pay for our telemedicine programs that we developed. Um, after that, you know, I had I had successfully had figured out reimbursement for telemedicine early and figured out the regulations for telemedicine, but could not grow my programs any further because I couldn't graduate psychiatrists or psych MPs fast enough to take on more patients on the other end of that video. So ended up moving into innovation, um, started thinking about technologies that didn't require the, the need for a clinician on the other end. So moved into the, the, the world of mobile apps, partnered with our engineering uh, school to start developing um, cognitive behavioral therapy, mobile apps that we could prescribe out of our electronic health record to patients, moved on from mobile apps uh, into the world of virtual reality, um, started you know, again, working with engineers and our computer scientists at our university to start developing mindfulness and meditation applications within VR headsets that we could deploy out into our communities. And then about six years ago, I really got heavily involved in data science and machine learning and really became interested in could you use data and um, machine learning methods to essentially risk stratify patients, match the the right patient uh, with the, the right provider at the right time and in the right place. And again, over time, developed this leadership role and in innovation for my health system. And then when COVID hits, um, you know, we needed a digital strategy like every health system in the in the country. And that's when I got put into my current role of Chief Digital Health Officer to really lead that digital transformation strategy for our system. That's amazing to hear. And what a great career journey, um, you know, in, in such um, such a, a great place you put yourself in, especially as you mentioned when the pandemic hit um, and really needing to have that digital strategy up and quickly running. Um, it's just fascinating. And now here too, we're a few years removed from that. What are the headwinds that you're seeing and have your eye on right now? What are you spending your time and attention on? Yeah, you know, I think a free health system in the country right now is struggling with margin pressures and, you know, labor costs. And we're seeing big shifts uh, from our payers into government pools, um, which for a health system where primarily we get our reimbursement still through fee for service, that ends up putting even further pressure on us. The other things that, you know, we're seeing is um, a clinician burnout and clinician stress. And, you know, that is causing 
labor shortages for us, which we're struggling with. And we're really seeing it in on our post-acute side in our in our skilled nursing facilities that that are part of our health system. You know, we're we're seeing staffing mandates uh, coming out from the regulators. Again, we have those shortages, so it's it's very difficult for us to uh, discharge patients from our acute hospitals into post-acute settings because you know they are beds closed because we don't have staff to to serve them. So, you know, all of that combined is is you know really causing significant stress on on the healthcare ecosystem. You know, I think the last headwinds that we've seen over the last couple of years, which in some ways is exciting, um, but at, at the same time, um, it, you know, I think push pushes further stress on incumbents like the University of Rochester is the significant investment that we're seeing from industry and retail into healthcare. You know, what we're 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 seeing, um, you know, almost. Uh, commoditizing um, healthcare services through, you know, by these big retailers that are moving in, which is really driving, you know, consumerism for, for our patients. And so, you know, those are other headwinds that, you know, I, I and my health system has to keep an eye on. Absolutely. I think all of those things you mentioned are just so crucial and critical to a health system's ability to provide care as you were talking through some of the clinician burnout, obviously staff shortages, and then trying to figure out how to do things on the post-acute care side in, in all the while while the disruptors are coming in from other industries and trying to, you know, carve out a space for themselves in healthcare too. I can imagine there's a lot um, of pressure in thinking through all of these different things and dynamics happening in the market. So, you know, when you look at your position as a chief digital health officer, what does that look like for you? How are you kind of meeting some of these challenges, helping this guide system through it, and then really looking at growth as well overall? Yeah, you know, a, a lot of a lot of my role from a strategy standpoint is helping identify not only opportunities for my health systems, but new partnerships uh, for for my health system. So where I see the potential for growth uh, for us um, is going to be through working with, you know, other verticals that that we have traditionally not worked with uh, before as a health system incumbent. So, you know, trying to talk with these industry partners and retailers and seeing, you know, where where we bring value to them and you know where they bring value to us. And so, a lot of my role is, you know. You know, traveling the country and getting to meet with leaders in these other verticals and truly trying to understand their business models and, and where there is overlap with with my health systems strategy and priorities. And then, then I think at the same time as incumbents coming together and forming new partnerships, there's probably never been a better time for health systems to start really partnering up, especially on the virtual care side and the digital health side and, and us starting to pool our resources to, together to, to grow and be successful. So, you know, I think to me, you know, that's the really exciting part. Healthcare is gonna look really different five years from now, it's going to look really different six months to a year from now. And, and I think it's it's going to be these partnerships that's going to allow us to, to really be successful in scale. That's so interesting to hear. And certainly being able to have those types of partnerships, um, you know, I, I can imagine 
will reinvent and redesign healthcare in ways we couldn't imagine. Oh, it, 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 absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, the other opportunity that, that we have to, to, to push care towards is outside of our hospital walls and moving them into the homes of our patients, the communities that, that our patients live in. And when you think about that, you know, you really start thinking about the daily lives that our patients um, have, you know, what myself, you know, what is what is my daily journey in, in, in my communities, you know, the grocery stores I go to, the banks that, you know, I, I stop in, um, you know, the gas stations, the, the, the convenience stores. And, you know, what are, you know, what are outside the box places that, you know, we could deliver healthcare into um, and, and partner with uh, those, those other verticals that are along the daily journeys of, of our patients. And, you know, our health system has been thinking about, you know, where those opportunities are. And, you know, we're, we're really kind of excited about, you know, some of the pilots that we're gearing up to, to launch here soon. Well, that's amazing to hear and definitely will be excited to speak more about those as you're able to announce them. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you know, as you mentioned, um, URMC, in like most hospitals and health systems right now, margins are tight and certainly there are a lot of pressures there on the financial side. But I'm wondering from your perspective, as we're talking through all the things and, and possible potential opportunities, um, you know, what are some of the real risks or investments that are still worth making this year, even as you know, the financial and, and budgets might be tight. So, uh, you know, I am I am very bullish on on generative AI, um, and you know, it's it's really interesting. If if you had listened to me speak on podcasts uh, maybe two years ago, uh, I was very pessimistic around the place that artificial intelligence has uh, in, in the healthcare industry. And that was partly through some of our own experience at the University of Rochester of, you know, partnering with our data science institutes and, you know, trying to um, develop machine learning models to improve our, our healthcare service delivery. And with the exception of computer vision and developing models to help support our radiologists uh, triage scans or our dermatologists to you know triage consults that they 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 might um, prioritize we did not have a whole lot of success applying machine learning into language data within our electronic health record. And, and you know, it, it, it actually made a lot of sense, you know, when we look back retrospectively, you know, our data in our electronic health record has a lot of noise in it, a lot of variability, and um, our ability to leverage a machine to identify outliers or patterns in that data, you know, we, we, we really struggled. Fast forward to um, the age of generative AI and these large language models that come to us already pre-trained on, you know, a, a trillion parameters, essentially the the entire uh, internet. We are blown away with the applying 
these models to our electronic health record data. And, you know, we at at my institution, we've been actually working with large language models and some of these generative AI tools for almost nine months now. And, you know, we've seen massive, massive strides on reducing administrative burden for our clinicians, you know, using these models to triage patient messages, using these models to synthesize our charts and, you know, pull out the data that it's really pertinent for the clinician to see at that specific visit. You know, the, the use of these models to um, allow our clinicians to document in an ambient way, you know, both by partnering with industry, but even our own ability to develop our own speech to text and uh, ambient documentation tools. You know, our development time uh, in our innovation team around building AI tools, you know, pre-large language models and generative AI, it would take us six months to a year to develop a natural language processing model, um, with which again, more, more times than not failed uh, when we were finally finished. Our dev time now, you know, by tuning these, these pre-trained models has gone from six months to a year to days to weeks for us to develop our own tools. So like I am, I am confident that artificial intelligence will transform healthcare for the better. And it's never been easier for health systems to develop their own models and tools to solve their current problems that they're struggling with. That's fascinating to hear. And certainly, you know, it can be um, so interesting to see how, you know, the technology can make a difference in just a little bit of time in, in um, you know, the past year, especially as you mentioned with Gen AI's uh, real development and rapidly evolving um, usefulness in healthcare is just really been cool to see. We've been talking about a lot of different areas of potential opportunity. Is there anything else you want to touch on about growth and development for the future? Yeah, you know, when I think about the last three and a half, four years, you know, essentially when COVID started and we all shifted to um, virtual care and, you know, delivery uh, of care using digital modalities, you know, our focus as a health system in those early years of the pandemic, you know, was really honed in on our patients. You know, we really wanted to, you know, create convenient, seamless access um, to care within our health system using um, virtual tools. You know, we, we leveraged this for, you know, new patient acquisition so we could continue to, to grow our, our patient lives a, as a health system. You know, we, we then really focused in on how do we leverage technology to, you know, keep our patients engaged with our health system, um, you know, really creates that stickiness and that glue so they continue coming back um, to, to receive care um, uh, through the services that we provide. But when I, when I think through our successes, and we had a lot of successes focusing in on the patients, you know, 
in some ways it was at the detriment of our clinicians and our providers. You know, our patients have never before had the level of access, direct access to our clinicians than that they, they do now through, through digital technologies. At the same time, our clinicians have never been bombarded with more data, you know, which is being collected from these technologies and being pushed back to our clinicians than ever before, which is, again, causing significant stress and, and burnout. So in some ways, you know, our digital transformation strategy has has really pivoted, you know, where we were really narrowly focused in on, you know, using technologies, you know, for our patients. Now we're pivoting to how do we focus in on our clinicians? When you think think back of just the history of technology and healthcare, technology has not been the friend of uh, of the clinician. You know, you think about the last major technology that was supposed to improve the lives of our clinicians, the electronic health record, it did the exact opposite. So, you know, going forward, you know, we are we are now, you know, really digging our heels in on how do we leverage generative AI and, and some of these tools to reduce the burden off of our, our, our clinicians' shoulders and allow them to do what they really went into the field for, actually providing clinical care um, with patients um, and really giving them their own time back, giving them that precious pajama time so they can get out of work and go home at a decent hour and spend it with their own loved ones and, and, and family members. Um, and that's really where we're honing in. And so, you know, on the, the provider side, it's really focusing in on leveraging, you know, uh, generative AI technologies. And then, you know, for our nurses, you know, we're really starting to do a deep dive into virtual um, nursing uh, care models uh, within our hospital walls, you know, leveraging some simple, you know, video conferencing technology, but then overlaying on top of that, you know, uh, computer vision, um, uh, you know, speech recognition, uh, AI to really um, reduce the burden on our nurses and make them more efficient. So for me, you know, growth in the future, if if we don't have clinicians to provide care, it doesn't matter what technologies uh, that, that we have for our patients, it's not gonna be successful. So we are really focusing in on, on, on our cl clinical workforce right now. That's amazing to hear. And certainly very, very needed in terms of, you know, making sure that the clinical workforce has what they need and, and can deliver the care that is appropriate and, and important for the community. Michael, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been such a fun and, and interesting conversation. And certainly, you know, looking forward to touching on many of these topics, too, at our annual meeting next April. Um, you know, we're having more than 450 speakers there talking about technology and healthcare, and especially some of those disruptions, too. We're also tackling workforce issues, challenges, and, and the financial issues. So definitely looking forward to that and um, excited to have you um, join us as well on a podcast again in the future. This has been just a really great conversation. Yeah, thanks again for having me, Laura. It was, it was a lot of fun. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks. To help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, 
Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's Healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there. Mm -hmm.